Jesus loves the little children, especially the enthusiastic ones. We are very thankful. Again, we're reading this morning, um, as we did last Sunday, from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This morning, we will extend the reading through verse 31. Uh, We are continuing to lay the foundation for our life in this new era of our congregation now that we're worshiping in our new sanctuary. And that foundation can only be the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Before we read God's Word, let us pray for His Spirit to open our eyes spiritually. And let us pray together as we now sing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us hear the word of God. It is written.
For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, and to his name be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the only sure foundation for true Christian faith, the true Christian life, the mission and ministry of the church. Everything about the Christian faith, everything about the Christian life, everything about the mission and ministry of the church depends and depends absolutely upon Jesus Christ, His life for us, His death for us, His resurrection from the dead for us, His ascension into heaven for us, His abiding power and presence in us and with us through the Holy Spirit, and the sure and certain promise of His return in power and glory to bring His everlasting kingdom in all its fullness. It all depends on Jesus Christ. Everything about our life as believers and our life together as a congregation, everything is about Jesus Christ and depends upon Him because, as the Scripture says in verse 24, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Last Sunday from this passage, we saw that the cross of Jesus Christ reveals and proves that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God, in His foolishness, that is the folly of Christ crucified, has reconciled His justice against sin and His love for sinners. On the cross of Christ, in the death of Christ, who died for us, who himself bore 
our sins in his own body on the tree, God executed divine justice against sin so that he might show free mercy to sinners without corrupting, compromising, or undermining his perfect righteousness. Jesus died on the cross, however, under the righteous judgment of God, not because he was a sinner, but rather because in the foolishness of God, which is wiser than men, Jesus, the sinless Savior, took our place as our representative. We can say that Jesus took and claimed for his own and bore the responsibility for our sins and was held accountable for our sins in the foolishness of God, which is wiser than men. It was God's eternal plan and purpose to send his son to be the Savior who would die a substitutionary sacrificial death for the salvation of his people. As the prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the foolishness of God, the sinless one suffered for sinners. That is the definition and the demonstration of God's love. As Romans 5.8 says, God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And on the cross, the weakness of God was proven to be stronger than men. For what man in all his strength can conquer death? The strongest man on earth may conquer every human enemy, but he cannot conquer the last enemy, which is death. The strongest man on earth is not strong enough to deliver himself from the curse of his own sin. The strongest man on earth is not strong enough to pull himself up out of the abyss of hell. The strongest man on earth is dust, and to dust he shall return. But on the cross of Christ, in the death of Christ, the power of death was defeated and destroyed by the weakness of God, which is stronger than men. Jesus Christ, by dying for us, destroyed death for us who believe in Him. Jesus Christ and He alone, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, is the power of God and the wisdom of God for your salvation. Here we go. The cross of Jesus Christ is the way that God saves people from the guilt of sin, the curse of death, and the justice 
of eternal condemnation. The cross of Jesus Christ is the way that God saves people from the guilt of sin, the curse of death, and the justice of eternal condemnation. Jesus suffered that for us in our place. Jesus suffered that for you in your place instead of you, in place of me instead of me. You and I have not really come to terms with the gospel. We've really not believed the gospel until, until we have come to believe and truly realize in the depths of our inner being that what happened on the cross of Christ happened for us instead of to us. What happened on the cross happened for you instead of happening to you. It happened for me instead of happening to me. I know I deserved it, but I didn't suffer it. Now, this is what it means to have personal faith in Jesus Christ, or as we sometimes hear it said in evangelical lingo, it's what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean having a chummy, buddy-buddy relationship. What it means is this. To know, to realize that Jesus took your place, your individual, personal place before God, under God's judgment against your sins, your personal, individual, specific, particular sins, my personal, individual, specific, particular sins, and suffered the punishment due you, due me, for your, for my sins. It's one thing to say in general that Christ died for sinners, and that is true. But we need to personalize it. It's one thing to say in general that Christ died for the sins of the world. That's biblical. It is true. But we need to personalize that. For you and I have not come to true and saving faith until in Jesus Christ until we're able and willing to say... Now, We've not come to true and personal saving faith in Christ until we're, we're, we're able and we're willing to say with, with joy and with wonder and thanksgiving and praise, Christ died for me. For me. Now this is true and saving faith in Jesus Christ, which exclaims in the words of the Apostle Paul, 
In Galatians 2.20, listen to this, listen to this. Listen to how the Apostle Paul put it. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Can you imagine? Can you even begin to imagine? Can you say it? Can you say that? Can you say it about yourself? The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That is love. And it's not sentimental, soft, sappy love. It is all self-sacrificial love. It is all blood-stained love. And it is not generalized. It is personalized. The Son of God loved me. And gave himself for me. But we might ask, how can something that happened 2,000 years ago have such a direct and personal application to my life today? The death of Christ happened a long, long time ago in a faraway place. How can that save me 2,000 years later? It's a good question. Paul answers it in this passage. The cross of Christ becomes a reality in our own personal lives, saves us through a means which, like the cross itself, appears foolish and weak to the unbelieving world. What is that? It is the simple preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And as the Scripture says in chapter 2, verse 4, not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can open the mind and heart of an unbeliever and give new life to that person through faith in Jesus Christ. I can't do that. No preacher on earth can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that by giving you new life in union with Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, be sure of this. It is only because God in His sovereign mercy and by His gracious power has worked a regenerating miracle in your life, a spiritual resurrection from the dead. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, be sure of this. It is only because God in His mercy and by the power of His Spirit has called you, called you by name, called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, called you out of death into life eternal, called you out of the dominion of the devil into His glorious kingdom, called you out of your sins to the cross of Jesus Christ, called you away from yourself to the one who alone can save you. That's the power of the call of God through the word of the cross. I or any preacher of God's word can preach the gospel to you just as I am now doing. I can tell you with the full authority of God's word that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. That is the truth and that is the promise of the gospel. And those words go out of my mouth and across this sanctuary on sound waves which hit your eardrum and then are processed by your brain. And you know what I have said. But only God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working supernaturally, can take those words 
and speak them with his own voice into your heart and grant you the grace to believe in him. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart against him. For today is the day of salvation. I freely offer to you a crucified Christ whose death fully satisfied God's justice and whose resurrection guarantees eternal salvation for all who believe in Him. Will you have Him as your Savior and follow Him as your Lord? By the power of the Holy Spirit, God takes what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago, Christ crucified, and brings that, brings the death of Christ forward to us, to you and to me in our own day. The Holy Spirit is not restricted by space and time. By a miracle of the Holy Spirit, the death of Christ, which occurred in history, becomes a reality in our own personal lives when we By faith receive Christ and Him crucified. The Holy Spirit brings the cross of Christ to us and brings us to the cross of Christ in faith. And there at the cross, we see our sins nailed to the tree. There at the cross, we see Christ dying our death in our place for us. There at the cross, we see Christ washing away our sins, saving us from the wrath of God and rescuing us from hell. That is the miracle of God's grace and mercy through Christ so that, as the Scripture says in verse 29, no human being might boast in the presence of God. We who trust in Christ have nothing to boast about concerning our salvation. We did not save ourselves by our own wisdom or by our own power. We have nothing to boast about except the cross of Christ, for it is only by the cross of Christ that the grace and mercy of God have been showered upon us for our salvation. It is only because of the grace and mercy of God that we are in Christ Jesus, united to Him. That's Paul's point at verse 30, which says, Because of Him, God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And verse 31 simply speaks of the the fullness of, the completion of our salvation all by means of Jesus Christ. And so we ought to boast in the greatness of Jesus Christ, who, as verse 30 says, became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ Jesus became to us wisdom from God because He's the human embodiment of the infinite wisdom of God. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Him. If we want true wisdom, if we want to know the meaning of life, why we're here, what purpose we have, how to live a life which satisfies our souls, a life in fellowship with the eternal God, then we must look to Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God in human flesh and blood. Christ Jesus also became to us righteousness and sanctification because as our representative... In our place, in our stead, and to our credit, He lived for us a life of perfect, sinless obedience to the Father. 
And we most often emphasize the truth that Christ died for us. We've already emphasized that Christ died for us, for me. That's true, but that's not all. Because before Christ died for us, He lived for us. He lived that perfectly obedient life which we are required to live but can't. And He did that for us in our stead. He is the righteous one. He lived it. And through faith in Him, in union with Him, we receive His perfect righteousness as our own. Now look, here we go. If you've ever worried about not being good enough for God, and if you've come to the right realization that you, could, you can never be good enough for God, And if you have despaired in your inability to be good enough for God, then the good news for you is do not despair. Jesus Christ is your good enoughness for God. Jesus Christ is your good enoughness for God. He is your right standing with God. On the cross, He was clothed with your sins so that you might be clothed in His righteousness. His death paid the penalty for your sins. His blood washed away your sins. And if all your sins are wiped away through Him, then in Christ Jesus, through faith in Him, in union with Him, you are righteous in God's sight with the righteousness of Christ, it's, it's, it's more than your mind can really take in. Through faith in Jesus Christ, in union with Jesus Christ, you are righteous in God's sight with Christ's own righteousness. If it sounds too good to be true, well, it's the one thing that sounds too good to be true, but it is true because it's the gospel, it's God's word, it's God's promise, it's sealed in the blood of Christ. That's the gospel. So you see, your relationship with God is completely dependent upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you in union with Him through true faith? Are you resting your soul upon Him? Are you thankful to Him and thankful for Him from the depths of your being? Do you know what He's done for you? Do you love Him for it? Christ Jesus came into the world to be your righteousness, that you might stand before the Father just as He stands before the Father. Christ Jesus also became to us sanctification. The source of our new life in Christ, a life of holiness, a life that is set apart to the glory of God in fellowship with God, consecrated to God for the glory of God. Our, you see, our righteousness in Christ, our right standing with God through Christ must necessarily bear the fruit of a life lived in grateful and faithful response to the grace and mercy of God. That's sanctification. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. 
It's a work of grace. It's by God's power enabling us to follow Christ more faithfully, empowering us to serve Him more fruitfully, and giving us the desire to do so. When God saves us in Christ, you see, He does not leave us as we are, but He begins to transform us into the likeness of His Son. This is our sanctification, which comes to us by grace through the working of the Holy Spirit in our union with Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus also became to us, says the Scripture, our redemption, our liberation from the bondage of Satan, the slavery of sin, the prison of death and hell. He is our exodus. This redemption refers ultimately to the resurrection and redemption of our bodies and life everlasting in the new creation, in the glory which is yet to be revealed. By His blood shed on the cross, Christ has bought us back as His own possession. He's purchased life and liberty for us so that we might live as the children of God forever. So let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Dearly beloved, in response to God's wisdom and power in Christ, let us humble ourselves and give Him thanks. Placing our faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So that our faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And to His name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the glorious gospel of Your Son, Jesus Christ, who alone is our Savior, our Rescuer, our Redeemer. We pray, O Lord, that Your Spirit will indeed speak Your Word into the depths of our souls and do its work of renewing our minds with Your truth and transforming us into the likeness of Your Son, that we might offer ourselves promptly and sincerely into your service, that all the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of your name. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith, saying together the Philippian Creed based on the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and given Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.